0: Off. cool uh, <laughs> we good
1: we're we're here we're, we're rolling here. yes
0: welcome friends and enemies screw you enemies to uh, our latest episode but of what, Sharp what about Axe. what about our frenemies frenemies oh god i have such a love-hate relationship with those people <laughs> god. they won't let me in stop pushing me away uh, you know who you are. Uh, welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. And I've gotten so good at saying that. It's where we've been doing 14 episodes. It's episode 15, John.
1: What?
0: I know, Hey, we're halfway one. to 30. We are. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I keep on having these like quarter life crises. Anyway, my existential crises aside, how are you doing, buddy? You're back in the States.
1: Oh, back in the States. It's sunshiny and beautiful. So there is that
0: rub it in yeah it's just we've got the worst type. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna prattle on about the weather but we've got the worst combination of weather here we've got sticky sweaty hotness with overcast grayness it's it's not it's not a combo that well, i it should have stayed all.
1: in cork it was lovely so yeah
0: but then yeah lovely for like you know two hours anyway <laughs> uh we had to take a break last week uh because john was relocating back to his native proud land uh, but we are back, friends, and do we have an episode for you or what? I, I couldn't believe it, John, when we got our, our special guest that we are featuring today.
1: I know. Very, very uh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely incredible. So um, do we introduce it now?
0: It's going to be in the title. They've already read it. Oh,
1: okay. So we're, we're very fortunate uh, to get Troy Grady. So from his Cracking the Code... Cracking, cracking the Code? Cracking the Code series on youtube um yeah excellent guitar player teacher um and they've done so much work figuring out how to make guitar playing easier it's a fascinating thing can't wait to share this with you guys so we're we're super stoked about it
0: cool yeah absolutely i will give a little bit more of a background on who he is before our interview but first it's time for our lick of the week Oh, Uh, john would you like to have a listen to the lick of the week and we'll get some feedback Okay. Uh, some
1: feedback. Let's. All right. I'm plugging it in now. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. This is a bit of a teaser because it's a pedal talk teaser.
1: Okay. Yeah. Of course. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. So you finished? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. You're good Um, to go. You know what this is. Ending with a. Uh,
1: (laughs) Which means (laughs) it's. It's either David Lee Roth or it's Rage Against the Machine. So, uh, yeah. yeah, obviously, <laughs> we were... obviously, you know, something like that. Tom, Tom Murillo. Um, yes, absolutely. Memorable licks, great hooks. Uh, and you know what's funny is when I, when I knew a lot of people who were listening to Rage, this was not one of the things I would listen to. And I sort of, I, I found myself kind of berating him as a guitar player. I've since come around good that was, that was just good. because i was i was into all the shred stuff and he's obviously not that but he's such a fantastic guitar player great hook uh, Absolutely. but if
0: you listen to i that there's there's this opening sorry there's this like alternate picking run that he does in that song later on it's like some of the stuff is really good and he said mentioned i remember you mentioned in an interview that he didn't start soloing until like he had everything else down and like he didn't like, start soloing until like way into his 20s which gave me a lot of hope when i started you know, started playing when I was younger. Thank God. But yeah, his use of the whammy pedal. Will we just, will we move on to pedal talk? Yeah, why don't we just we jump
1: into it? So,
0: Friends, we're talking about the gosh darn whammy pedal and all its variations and uses and history and everything. This was my decision to make it because I have a love affair with the whammy pedal, but not so much that I'm going to fork out a hundred and something euro to buy one. Um, I'm just obsessed with how it's used in certain sounds uh john what is your impression on the whammy pedal your thoughts uh
1: yeah the it's it's an amazing little piece of technology the the crazy thing about it is how much goes into it um for what a small unit it is um and so this was uh they're they're on the fifth version i think at this point at least yeah yeah um and it Digitech started manufacturing this thing in 1989 as kind of a harmonizer, but also a way to to jump up uh, those those notes, kind of like an octave pedal. But you, it would give you control over sliding those notes back and forth. Um, Absolutely, and John. So- correct
0: me if I'm wrong, but would you would you use any other Digitech products? I'm not really.
1: No, I'm not really impressed with like really much of anything else they've done. Um, part of it is like, they're rarely actually true bypass. They'll say they're true bypass, but they're usually a giant tone suck. Crafty Um, digitech. Yeah. And, and just, it's not, but whatever they've done with the whammy pedal has been stellar. Essentially before this, um, you had these massive harmonizer units. So Steve Vai, Who's known for using the whammy pedal? He used it a lot on "Alien Love Secrets," and then in '93, uh, can we just?
0: Sorry, I have to pause you there. That's a ridiculous name for an album. You should be ashamed, Steve Vai. "Alien Love
1: Secrets." Well, wait till you hear the the name of the album in '93. It was called "Sex and Religion." So, oh
0: god. Okay, one more thing. I want (laughs) to. I want to do a little mini Steve Vai rant. It's my weekly Steve Vai rant. (laughs) Didn't he also release like a greatest hits or a compilation? But it was basically, it was like Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. But basically it was song number seven from each one of his albums.
1: Yeah, it was um, initially. Screw you, Steve Yeah, it was the uh, because in his mind it was like the sweet spot of all his albums. Never mind the Alien Love Secrets only had like eight tracks on the whole thing. So <sighs> you know, when you when you looked at uh Passion and Warfare, that's got like fourteen tracks. You can be like, okay, it's the midpoint of the album, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah.
0: you know, when anyway, you release it, the whammy.
1: E like, P Anyway, so yeah, yeah um, <laughs> Steve, Steve Vai, um who I love um as a guitar player, massive influence on me. But mm-hmm. um yeah, he is he's a, a bit weird and he's not for everyone. So in ninety three he also used this thing a lot. Uh prior to that he'd been using the even tight harmonizers. Now these were massive rack based units that he used. Um, And he still continued to use them afterwards, but the whammy pedal essentially gave him the ability to harmonize these notes and do crazy stuff with them. So if you listen to that 93 record, you're going to pick up on a lot of it. Now what's interesting, Digitech started manufacturing these in 89 and the first like big commercial use that we can really point to, I think that's influential anyway, would be Killing in the Name.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: You know, uh, that was 1992. So it's kind of my belief, though, I have a hard time backing any of that up, that Vi was pretty influenced by what Tom Murillo was doing with the Whammy pedal in 92. And then subsequently during his recording of Sex and Religion, ended up using that a fair bit because it gives you more control than those even tied units because you can just step on it and do That's wild it. stuff. Yeah. So I mean like
0: Tom Morello, I mean like I love him and everything, but he can be blamed for a lot of, of terrible things. And um, most notably, like if there was no rage against the machine, there'd be no Limp Biscuit. And like, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying like rage against the machine are the godfathers of new metal with the hip hop metal kind of sound that they, Created uh, so beautifully, that was tarnished. It's like that whole thing about a copy of a copy is just yeah. oh, terrible. The I'll tell you, now, the funny thing is, well, I suppose that is the most commercial use, but biggest one at the start anyway. But he only really really uses it for the solo. Um, right. It's just like the whoop. You know, it's just, it, he goes right up there. My first introduction to the, to the Whammy pedal, and it's probably still my favorite use, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, is the song Just by Radiohead uh in which i could never like figure out how uh johnny greenwood got those notes out of the guitar he just goes up and up and up and in the video you just see his hand doing the octave shape going up to like the end of the fretboard and i remember doing that myself and going how is it going so high <laughs> and just getting really frustrated and then i saw like he uses the whammy a lot especially yeah. in those early radiohead albums uh, the song on my iron lung which comes just after just on the bends uh, he has it up i think a third or something like that and okay. it's just it's it's really really cool but like since then i mean tom Morelli used it a lot on audio slave uh, you can you can see it kind of it, it comes up everywhere it comes up corn corn are a big user of the whammy pedal in songs like really? Falling away from yeah I falling really away from about me. That. if you listen to because they've got the low end is being supplied by that really low five string bass. Uh, You've got this really high spectrum, high frequency of sound that is being taken up on songs like Freak on a Leash and Falling Away from Me. You've got that like almost piercing high octave sound, uh, which is really cool. It worked really well for their sound and they were like 96, 97, a lot earlier than a lot of those bands. But one thing, John, I don't know if you've heard about the uh, the, new, the drop tune feature on the newest whammy pedals.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking we should probably kind of clue people into some of the controls because this thing does so much.
0: And that's kind of what puts me off getting one. I'm just scared that I'll go down like a whammy rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, um, you know, if if you look on, on their website, like they've got 10 whammy settings, nine harmony settings and two detune settings. Oh. i i i what do you do with 10 whammy settings the harmony settings i can probably work it out but 10 yeah. whammy settings like i i wouldn't even know where to start
0: that's so, why i haven't started john i don't i don't i'd be scared <laughs> about it. um yeah man it's it's really really cool i think queens of the stone age use it a lot as well in their stuff um sorry i'm just thinking of different you know who
1: who, who used it that no one uh really talks about is david gilmore Really? Yeah, yeah. He used it on uh, Division Bell, which was 94 as well. So a lot of these, like the, the, like I said, the pedal came out in 89. And then after Tom Murillo, it was just like everyone said, this is the coolest thing ever. So, um, uh, Jim, you know, Jimmy Page is on it. Again, if you go on Digitech's website, they've got this massive list of like 50 notable players. Everyone from Joe Satriani and Jimmy Page and everyone else we've talked about yeah it's quite the extensive list so the the whammy effects you've got two octaves up so it bends your note two octaves up that that would be a good um like the the audio slave um what's what's the name of that song
0: killing the name no audio slave uh oh Oh, like a stone yeah like Uh, a stone yeah Yeah, so that's that's a great use really really nice
1: that's the one where he's using the two octaves up yeah Um, it's so cool You've got the one octave up. No, the thing is is because it's an expression pedal, you can control how quickly you get there or how slowly you get there. So two octaves, one octave, a fifth, a fourth, a second down, so a fourth down, a fifth down, an octave down, two octaves down, and then a dive bomb, which bends your input note
0: three octaves down. So yeah. I've, <laughs> and so I watch you from afar I would be a big user of that. But speaking okay. of the the octave down setting. I remember having a massive argument with my dad when Seven Nation Army came out, and he's like, It's a bass. It has to be a bass. It can't be anything else. And I'm like, No, but I've seen him, like, he played it at an award show on a guitar, and he was very dismissive of the whole thing. And then I found out it was the Whammy. It was a guitar through a Whammy pedal all the Uh. way down. And then again, of course, all cover bands will replicate it with the bass guitar, but it was never a bass guitar to begin with and yeah jack white is a real user of the whammy pedal especially on some of his um more kind of raucous stuff with with the white stripes and blue orchid and all that stuff he just basically he'll create he'll use the harmonizer setting on songs like blue orchid to just create like three guitar sounds in one and it's i I think it's really cool i would like to get it but they are they're a bit bulky from a board man and
1: it's huge i mean this is this is the reason why i don't keep a wah pedal for example on my board just because it's massive, and I got tired yeah. of lugging around a giant board. So
0: that's it. No, it's 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 a it's it's a hindrance. It's a beautiful monster. Um, it's yeah, a fun thing. I just how often are you actually
1: going to need it? Unless you're in a new metal cover band. So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, I Matt, Matthew, our our friend of the show, Matthew Callahan, and I went to a a new metal tribute gig uh the other night called guilty pleasure very oh, aptly oh. and uh all the, well there was two guitar players there and of course they had the kind of the pointy ibanaises but uh both of them rather than having whammy pedals they had the uh, digitech detune pedal which is huh. basically so they didn't tune their guitars the whole time like they were just had one guitar going down to c going like down to b for some of the slipknot stuff all with the press of a button like they didn't it's amazing like oh, basically interesting it forces you you don't have to change strings or anything you know like if you were originally playing slipknot you'd have to buy a guitar and just put it in that tuning and right. just keep it there but now technology has come come on a lot
1: yeah i think uh, even with the the detune presets now on on the whammy pedal i think you have the option of sort of selecting you know what that is so if you wanted to yeah. mean, say drop c for example you could do that
0: so it's yeah, yeah. you freak it's crazy absolutely drop, crazy yeah Anyway. Even System of a Down for their last two albums were like, it's too low, man. It's too low. We've got to go to C-Share. Um, <laughs> that's actual words. Um, so, friends, this brings us to our, our interview. Uh, before we bring you in, I just want to say I'm really... I, I was really excited to do this. I was starstruck. I've never been Skype starstruck before, John. But I was like... Cause I've, I've never had the opportunity videos. to be
1: Skype starstruck. Exactly. So this was...
0: God, yeah. everybody everybody listening, just start a podcast and you get to meet your heroes. It's great. Um, but not, not like this podcast. And that's what Troy Grady did
1: too, essentially. Yeah, man. As, as you'll see uh, in the interview.
0: Yeah, he, I, I was very impressed by what an absolute, complete nerd he was. An absolute nerd. Absolutely. Uh, he just, like, video games, coding, guitar like i bet he's never had a girlfriend i'm joking uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, edit that out uh hi troy if you're listening you're probably not um so yeah john have you anything to say before we uh, bring it over to our, our interview with Troy Gray?
1: yeah you'll pick up on a lot of this uh you know just dylan introduced me to him shortly after i arrived in ireland and um i completely forgot about it for months and then found it again yeah. on the internet and dylan was like I told you about this guy.
0: It was was one of those things where you tried to explain it to me. And I was like, no, John, remember like three months ago, I told you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, it was, yeah, it's, it's a very useful thing. Just uh, he, what Troy Grady has done is he's kind of unlocked the code of picking, um, which just seemed like a complete mystery. And it still is for most of you out there who've taken guitar lessons and you can't seem to figure out why you hit a certain block, uh, a roadblock in your picking. You can't play any faster or something to that
0: effect. Um, It's a dexterity cul-de-sac, if you will.
1: Yeah, that's a great way to put it because you just, you can't find a way around these problems and you don't know what you're doing. And Troy explains that a little bit in the interview, just some days it's better than other days and you don't know what you're doing differently. So he really brings a consciousness to how you play. So I thought his approach was really great. And that's part of the reason we wanted to get him on the show and just ask him a few more questions about the development and of his series, cracking the code. And we'll link to all his stuff in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, Give us a little shout out if you're going to be on his website so he remembers. So, um, Yeah. yeah. Anything to add to that there, Dylan?
0: Absolutely not. Let's not delay any longer. Let's bring it to our interview with Troy Grady of Cracking
2: the Code YouTube series. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, we're we are now rolling. So gotcha. get the pleasantries out of the way. <laughs>
2: yeah, no more, no more, Mister Nast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just fifty minutes of just dickheadishness. That's all, that's all we want now. Cool. So Troy, welcome to uh, Sharpen That Axe. Uh, this is episode number fourteen. John. Uh, 14. fifteen. 15. 15. Cool. Wow. Yeah. i quite proud of that. Uh, we never thought we'd make it this far. So I'm uh, yeah, delighted to have you, have you on board. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you wh- for having me. Absolutely. Um, where are you based right now?
2: Uh, I am based in my kitchen here in, okay. <laughs> in Brooklyn. It's lovely. In, in, oh, in cool. New York. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, always. I've never not moved more than you know, 30 miles away from where I was born. Just, because you know, in New York, it's easy to do. Everyone ends up here eventually, anyway. So, <laughs> you, you know, if you say, "Oh, I'm just going to move to New York City and get a job somewhere," no one looks at you funny. So, it, it solves <laughs> like at least half of life's big questions. Absolutely, Where,
0: it's on my list anyway. Um, yeah. It's great.
2: Where is Cork? Cork is uh, how far is Cork from Dublin?
0: Cork is about uh, two and a half hours on a good day. Uh, okay. southwest but like you know you can do the whole you can do the whole country in about 15 16 hours so you know uh-huh. it's uh, <laughs> yeah it's very very small and yeah. I'm, like johnson cork right now and i'm back home in galway which is basically west coast galway, full, of, full of tourists so yeah no it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 good to be back but cork is nice and you, you speak, should
2: go. you speak irish in the and this is as i've understood is not quite the same as the term gaelic if you're in the uk like, yeah if exactly if you're because you Gaelic is Scottish or something to an Irish person. Am I getting this right?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Gaelic is can be like Scottish or Welsh, and then we have our own Irish language, which translates when you say the Irish word for that language. It's Gaelga, yeah. which is yeah, it's very complicated. But yeah, Got we it. do we do have the language, and we learn yeah. it for twelve years, and then we discover mm-hmm. that you can't use it for
2: anything. So it's, it. it's not very well thought. But, but you yes, call it so, Irish, though. Yeah. Understood, okay. So how do you say, uh, hi, I'm I'm Dylan Irish?
0: Uh, Dear Gwit, Dylan is and i'm dumb uh kind of stuff like
2: that that's basically the the extent of my irish levels right now this is not what the podcast is about Uh, Uh, (laughs) i'm sorry whose podcast is this because i'm i've just i have questions (laughs) oh please ask away Uh, so
0: basically how it started was john and i uh where we were doing a master's in musicology in cork and we Uh, basically we're like we're not playing enough guitar so Mm -hmm. we uh, decided to kind of start a podcast where we could just basically spiel, uh, ramble if you will about uh, guitar playing and improving because John has his own guitar school essentially in Colorado and uh, I had a lot of questions so that's that's kind of how we got started we're like why don't we record these questions Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's basically what we've been doing Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's so, so far so good. I've been learning, learning a lot. Right. Um, but Troy, can you tell us a bit more about what you do?
2: Uh, sure. Well, uh, what I do is constantly evolving. <laughs> um, I, I didn't expect to be doing what what I'm doing. I used to be a headhunter. In um, well, I was I was initially an Italian lit major in college. Wow. Okay. And then I was in a headhunter for ten years, fifteen years where uh, essentially I was an agent for placing people in software companies and finance. So we did, huh. uh, did software developers and mathematicians. And so it was wow. a lot of super technical skill sets, and we were charged with locating people that had abilities in certain areas. And we had, you had a list of clients that would hire those kind of people. And that was cool because I had uh, always been – a bit of a nerd on the side and I've been programming for since I was a kid and I took a few CS classes when I was in school but the guitar thing was always happening on the side of that okay. it, was, it was always a hobby right up there with like the Atari 800 basic programming <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and later on the Mac programming and um, so I, I didn't think I would I didn't even really occur to me to do anything guitar related as a job and so okay. I just I just again from Long Island and I was like got to pay the rent somehow so I I landed in the recruiting career, and that actually worked out great because it was just uh, it was sort of a good mix of um, entrepreneurial skills and verbal skills and a little bit of technology, kind of on the side. And at some point, uh, about you know ten years into it, I was just like, you know, this guitar stuff is lying fallow, and I should do something with it. And that's when I came up with the idea to to put together the slow motion camera rig and start interviewing players. Oh. And that was just a hobby. It was just a crazy idea. And and when we were kids, when I was a kid in the 80s, you just would not have considered that you could even get these interviews because you figured Eddie Van Halen lived on some giant floating (laughs) castle in a cloud somewhere, and they weren't going to let you into their house, right? Didn't he? I started emailing people, and they started saying yes. And so I started doing these interviews with no point in mind as to what uh, what I would actually do with this footage. But the idea to film someone's playing technique really close up with a slow motion camera, which... We didn't have phones that did that at the time. You you needed research-grade hardware to be able to get 120 frames per second video. Cool. And then the the, the actual software to control the camera, because these were all – it was a small firewire-driven camera. You had to plug it into a laptop, and then I wrote a little application to control the camera. And, and you could record for like 10 seconds at a time, and you could get shots of Steve Morse playing with perfect accuracy or – Albert Lee um, and Michelangelo Badio, this was just, you know, it was like a, I was doing a thing that I just thought you couldn't even do, and I had no sense of where it would go, and eventually I realized that there was, there was a lot of interest in this, because I had put up a rudimentary website, and the mailing list just sort of took off, and I was like, wow, this is really cool, people are interested in what I'm doing, and maybe, maybe there's a job in here somewhere, I didn't even know, that was about what I thought about it. And, um, so to make a long story short, eventually I ended up leaving the recruiting gig, editing these interviews into full length hour, one to two hour things that you could watch and or buy or, and then eventually subscribe to. So the, the essential endeavor is similar. We still interview amazing players. We interview them. The hardware is improved. We now use telephones for this, uh, which are, of course, the cutting edge, uh, high speed, um, video recording. Uh, devices we all carry in our pockets now can do up to 240 frames per second slow motion video which is unreal Mm -hmm. and we developed a clamp a little mount that can attach this directly to the fretboard of a guitar so you can get perfect framing on uh, playing hand and get this incredible view of what world class players are doing and uh and so somehow by one accident or another through one accident or another this became a job and and people subscribe to this crazy service. And I've got uh, two guys that have been working with me for about five years now, six years, Brendan and Adam. And the three of us all together, we do the video editing, we put together the website, we reach out to the players, manage the relationships, the whole nine. And, uh, amazingly, if, if you just look at what's going on in guitar, of course, what you guys are doing is yet another example of this, but the, the internet has filled in all the gaps for all the things that we always wanted in guitar. Mm -hmm, The internet supplied, um, there's, there's YouTube has filled in the gaps for a lot of the instructional stuff, and niche subscription services. Whether it's if you know on the at the, at the upper tier, you've got what Amazon and Hulu and Stars and all of these other things that you can subscribe to. But if you've got a specialized hobby, there's you know twenty bucks in everybody's budget right now for that hobby, whether it's guitar playing, subscription stuff, golf, tennis, whatever it is that you do. And usually it's dudes who do a thing that requires lots of practice and. Um, and that—that's uh, a thing now that we didn't even know it was going to be a business, and it turns out everyone's doing. it. So I feel like we've been—you know—we've been falling backwards into an industry that we didn't even know was going to exist. But that was—that was a very cool kind of thing to discover, and, and that sort of takes us up to about where we are now. That's
1: cool. interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Could you talk a little bit about how the whole video series for cracking the code came about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll that's our introduce big question. Dylan introduced me, <laughs> <you'll> <laughs> introduce me uh, to the whole series, and. Like, once I started watching, I couldn't stop. Cause there were so many little things that uh, I'd always wondered about for various players, uh, and then not to mention myself, trying to figure out particular techniques. And this this unlocked a load of things for me. So if you could just talk about your uh, your development process, mostly for the series, because you kind of explain how you came to understand these techniques in the series. But how did the series come about?
2: Right. Well, I I think that was just... Um, I, I had started doing again these this the hobby and the investigation of how to actually do the, the playing was sort of one aspect of this, and the other aspect of this was figuring out that if I could maybe go out into the real world and interview people and sort of film what they were doing in in the wild, so to speak. And then the third leg of this was how am I going to present this to people? Right? And yeah. I only had done dramatic, not dramatic, but let's say narrative fiction type writing in college because you know it was like short story writing actually. Uh, I won a short story writing contest in college. Like when I was a freshman, I came in like third out of like all the undergrads, it's like some, it was a big deal. It's like the only writing thing I've ever done semi professionally, other than what we're doing now. And I put it on my LinkedIn profile. And I'm like, I want a writing contest. You know, like, <laughs> words, man, I fought with words. You know? <laughs> it was like, but like you know, this is what I knew how to write stories. Kind of, yeah. I had rudimentary story writing ability. So I was like, I don't know, maybe it's I'll just start writing it. I just started, you know, once upon a time in the misty, you know, land of the past kind of thing came out <laughs> and it just was this one extremely long manuscript that just went on and on and eventually I started chopping it up and the closest thing or the closest analog that I could imagine it being was, was like a TV show because yeah. it, it was just a little snippets of a story that proceeded in units. And then when I hired the guys, I I had no real plan. I was just like, there's got to be money in here somewhere. I don't know. Like, maybe we can do this for a living. And I had a little savings from the previous job, so I wasn't going to starve immediately. But I was like, you know, before the money runs out, we have to figure out some way that someone will pay for this so that we can do this for a living. And because people seem to be interested in these techniques, we have to present it to them. So the three of us worked on this. And eventually started formatting them and shaping up this story that I would written into these little units that are like TV episodes, and we crafted beginnings and endings for them when, they, uh, when they, the story didn't sort of have a natural break point. We would say, okay, that could be the end of an episode, you know, and we'll have, um, you know, there'll be some cliffhanger with like, you know, Steve Vai or something. <laughs> He's like, how do I play the shy boy line, you know, or whatever it is. And so that's, you know, that's how we did it. And we just started editing these things. It was massive, massive amounts of work. I mean, I look back at some of these now. We tend not to do quite such crazy in-depth animated things, but there's, there's all kinds of little in jokes in there that maybe some people find little Easter eggy things and maybe others have never found. <laughs> we just put them in there for our own benefit. Like there's all these Fast Times at Richmond High jokes embedded in some of these episodes. <laughs> you know you found them. There, there's a record store that we keep using because it's a really complicated animation with millions of record bins and dudes reading, you know, sheet music. And that record store is is the one in the Fast Times at Richmond High movie and we keep reusing uh, wow. that scene it's called it's called licorice pizza the actual store in the movie um because when i was a kid we the big record store in new york was sam goody i don't know if you had that yeah yeah. you did so we didn't know if anybody would know sam goody so we're like we got to find another record store that everybody and we're like oh we'll do movie jokes everyone likes movie jokes right so we got we watched fast times at ridgemont high and the two dudes who were in the mall the, the one uh protagonist who works at the movie theater and then the 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 kind of the hustler guy who sells the movie tickets the ticket scalper guy they're friends and they're in the animation they're like shaking hands wow they're staying yeah they're they're trading an Yngwie bootleg VHS tape (laughs) (laughs) and then we go fly into the record store and all the dudes are in there reading the sheet music trying to memorize all the licks which is the thing we used to do because that's amazing we didn't want to buy the sheet music so you'd have to memorize I would get the rat like lay it down sheet music and try and memorize like the chords (laughs) you (laughs) know like so you didn't have to spend four dollars (laughs) to I mean, I it, is, it is a oh wow a different time I it guess. is right the tabs get me the tabs now you just like uh, tabs yeah you know, am- am- amazingly most of what comes up when you do that still is pretty bad though
0: yeah like, it the is, free
2: this- tabs are all bad you know oh, crap all oh, crap it, they have a- been for 30 years
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. man that's there's such a sense of narrative to it though and I think that's what really differentiates your series from all the other series on, out there it's just that the, the narrative and the visuals and the uh, bringing it back to just the technique. It's just, there's just so much there to unpack. So yeah, uh, kudos, man. Major kudos. Thank you. All together.
2: Well, I'm glad to hear that it resonates because I, I think some people really dig it and other people are like, what the hell is this? They're just like, show me how to play the riff. What is this crap?
0: you know right. and i can I, understand I, that i went from one to the other of both those people <laughs> i was like what the hell is this to, this is amazing <laughs> like, it, took, it took me maybe two or three episodes but but i got definitely got there um so good so good so class um excellent and just uh, how i discovered you and discovered you know, showed you to john was the um the crossroads like the, mm-hmm. I was, I was oh, watching man. that clip on YouTube from the movie and then your was a related video. And um, is that still like one of your biggest hits
2: or uh, that there's two, we made, we made two of them because it was so popular. And um, the second one is actually our highest viewed video. Now it's somewhere North of a million, maybe like a million five. I actually mm-hmm. haven't checked it in a while, but it seems we discovered that that for whatever reason, the, the combination of Steve Vai, Crossroads, Guitar Battles, <laughs> and 80s was like the ultimate nexus of all things dudes, like came together in that one like
0: It's like a big dude Venn diagram.
2: <laughs> it's a dude Venn diagram. <laughs> it's, all dudes intersect at this one point. Old, young, I mean, because you can like blues and like that movie, and then you get all kinds of comments about Ry Cooter. Uh, he really played that. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. You know, there's infinite arguing about that. And then there's um, if you're like a younger person, then you've you know younger, if you were teen in the eighties, you got the Vi angle and the David Lee Roth angle. Um, and it all in overlap. Classical people chime in on that because there's the whole classical guitar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Comments on who the classical player was. Will Canon Geyser played the classical parts in that movie. God. So yeah, it it just happens to be a sweet spot for whatever reason. And that was a one-off. We, that that you know, we made that just because I came up with a cool the first one, um, I always liked that lick, and we put it in our episode, one of the episodes. Yeah. And we made that as an extra feature for the people who were watching the series. And we thought, oh, well, let's show them this one lick, which I always thought was really cool. And then the second one, the sequel to it, we made because I came up with the first line. And the first line was, in, what was it? In the 80s, there was a, a movie which showed you how to defeat the devil using you know, your superpowers. Mm. Or no, it showed me how it was. It or defeat the forces of evil, and it, and it cuts to the Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, And then I'm like, no, 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 not that movie. And then and then it cuts to the you know the other one with Ralph Maggio, which is the same movie pretty much, just with guitar yeah. martial arts.
1: Okay. We did end up cutting it a little bit short. That's part one. Uh, you will get part two next week.
0: Yeah, I just I we just kind of got locked in. It was kind of it was more of a thing that we had to cut it short, as opposed to him. I kind of got the feeling that he could have talked all afternoon,
1: which would have been great. I wish we could do that. We'll have to bring him back for parts three and four, apparently.
0: So. In, his, in his swanky Brooklyn kitchen, right? Um, with his fuzzy mic, um, yeah. So we're gonna bring it, as always, friends, to what we've been working on. John, what have we been working on?
1: Uh, I don't know what you've been working on, but I can tell you what I've been working on. So, um, I've talked about this before, but I've been kind of locked in on it. Just, uh, different improv methods. So, um, Mm. you know, playing around with looping stuff, even if it's a simple chord progression, this for me, I think is one of the best things when you're working on expression. Um, and one of the tricks is to not get locked into noodling. One of the worst things we do as guitar players is just noodle but can you play a phrase or even start with just four notes and say i have only these four notes particularly if you're working in your pentatonic boxes oh yeah pick your third and fourth string and that's it you get those four notes and figure out how can you create a phrase something that you could sing back something that would be memorable and not just kind of wander all over the fretboard once you have all your your scale shapes it's really easy to just slide around and make noodly sounds but really focus in on creating melodic content over chords, particularly. Because that's really, that's the whole point of music in the first place. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so that's that's been the big thing that I've been trying to focus on, is like get the phrasing down um, and listen to players that do that really well. Uh, I always point to David Gilmour for that stuff. So memorable. Again, comfortably numb solo. He brings stuff back all the time. And even when he's just blowing through stuff really fast, there's still something memorable in there.
0: Absolutely, that's oh, so good. So,
1: what about yourself?
0: I, well, I wish I could get that technical, John, but I, no, I, it's my it's my it's my moment to let my ignorance shine. No, no, actually, I had there is stuff that I have been working on, and we talked a little bit about it in the last show. Is me learning a lick a day, and you know, trying to repeat it the day after, trying to memorize it during the day, and get the things. You know, basically build up a vocabulary of Mm. of licks so that if I could be that guy in the guitar store, I can just pick something and go, Oh, well I can play this. You know, know, do my little, my little thing, make it seem spontaneous, but it's actually a lick that I've played so many times. It has become a part of me like a limb. Uh, So what I've actually been working through and breaking it down very, very, very slowly is have you heard cluster pluck by uh, Brad Paisley?
1: This sounds absolutely terrifying.
0: Those, it's those four insane. words
1: together sound
0: terrifying. Okay, so what it is, I'm not entirely sure who's on it, so don't, don't quote me on everything, but it's basically, it's a song on his album Play, which I've been listening to a lot because there's very few lyrics on it. Sorry, Brad. Um, it's mostly instrumental kind of guitar jams. But well, You like, sold
1: me on it already.
0: Oh man, it's so good. But <laughs> it, basically before Cluster Pluck, happens there's this like him this like little actor going grandfather can you teach me how to hype to chicken pick he's like oh well you have to listen to these guitar players and he goes through this massive Uh... list and then it goes in then it goes into the actual song which is like based around a basically a a blues but he's got albert lee on there he's got vince gill on there it's oh
1: no probably danny gatton
0: I think Denegat might be on there as well. It's really see, you can't really tell well, I can't who's playing what, but there's a really long list on the Spotify, you know, featuring da, 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 da. Uh, oh. but it's it's all beautiful. So basically I've been working my way through like the first 20 seconds of that. But it's all Ooh. it's all chicken picked. It's gorgeous. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay, so I, I just looked it up for you. Albert Please. Lee, Vinskill, James Burton, Brett Mace or Brent Mason. So I got to see this guy perform when I lived in Nashville and melt-your-face-hot guitar player. Just, yeah, yeah. The guy could do anything. Uh, look him up if you don't know him, Brent Mason. Uh, John Jorgensen, Steve Warner, and Red Volkert. To be honest, I don't know who Red Volkert is. So shame me, name, if though. you like, but like the rest of these guys, oh, okay, uh, uh, wow. You have
0: to listen to it, man. I would advise anybody that's got any interest in any type of guitar playing to listen to this song. It's Oh my gosh
1: that sounds horrifying
0: <laughs> and also i will give a little trip. If, trick if you want to start learning the song uh the country guitar teacher jim lil il sorry l-i-l-l has a series where he breaks down a few of the licks from it and that's where i've been learning uh, we'll throw and that in the
1: show notes as well
0: absolutely he's all he's all chicken picking hybrid stuff which is just what i just just what I, what floats my boat right down the river um Yeah, so I'm very also proud that I was able to tell you something, you know, a little guitar jam, Brad Paisley thing that you didn't know about. Oof. I'm I'm gonna be a little smug. A
2: little smug yeah, do
1: it, him. do it up, man, do it up. Absolutely, that's, that's what guitar nerding's all about. One-upmanship, Spe- isn't it? <laughs>
0: I didn't want to say anything, but uh, yeah, so John, what have you been listening to anything? I could I suppose I could go first seeing as you went first last. Oh,
1: time. no, that's fine. We can alternate either way. so okay. uh, because of the thesis stuff, um, now fortunately, my thesis is on metal guitar players in uh, in instrumental gent, so nerd, um, nerd! Uh, but I've been looking at uh, Sarah Longfield, so she has a band called The Fine Constant. She's based out of Wisconsin and um absolutely phenomenal guitarist if you look her up uh she's mind melting the way she plays um and it just it's it's been a good thing to listen to but she's not she can be super heavy but a lot of her stuff tends to be like two-handed tapping kind of ethereal stuff um so if you do kind of like that sort of thing that's it it is a different experience uh she does sort of get into Kind of beat, uh, h- electronic beat-driven stuff as well. So she spans a wide uh, spectrum of things, but primarily—yeah, that, that
0: sounds pretty wide.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, primarily looking at her guitar playing as uh, as it relates to my thesis stuff. So
0: absolutely, we it. need we need to like highlight all the awesome women guitar player out there are out there. I'm sick of this feckin' stigma about that it's all just guys, guys with women's haircuts. That's, yeah there you, know, you go there's yeah
1: there's so many out there right now um i can't remember Absolutely. her name but the girl that plays for uh black eyed peas just released a video of you know her doing a chord melody to like amazing grace and it's just wow just killer adrian lowell i think is her name something like that
0: cool brilliant stuff
1: Sweet. brilliant stuff anyway Absolutely.
0: and if anybody if anybody has other any other. Uh, women guitarists you think we should check out, please tweet at us at SharpenThatX on the Twitter. Uh, I suppose what I've been listening to, I've, I've been going to gigs kind of left, right, and center. I've been like that Alt-J, and I'm going to uh, see Brian Wilson perform Pet Sounds in its entirety. I'm so
1: jealous of that, man. That sounds That's amazing. That's going to
0: be cool, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, but I can't get too drunk because I am writing a review of the thing. Uh, so, you know, I'll get pretty drunk after that, you know. <laughs> got my, put away my little notebook and have a little something, something. But yeah, so uh, I've kind of been throwing myself into those albums. Um one band that I've just been digging is actually a band called Charlie Bliss. Uh, it's kind of like easy, you know, riff-based rock from New York, which it wouldn't really be my sort of thing. But I, I, I just really like it. And um, so yeah, the very album Percolator is what I've been digging. But apart from that, and uh, that's kind of all I've been kind of going with. That and Cluster Pluck on repeat percolator
1: can you yeah. so, uh, so explain exactly what kind of kind of stuff do they what, what is it like how would you describe it
0: it's kind of like garage pop but it's really melodic and catchy and it's basically like a four like you know woman front you know front woman a uh, guitar player bass drums just nice i i, I like it it's it's just kind of it's just hook after hook which is what i dig Um, i find myself just switching it on and then before i know it the album's over so, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those albums. It's one of my albums of the year so far anyway. Um, I really dig it. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. John, yeah. I, I, I want to congratulate you on what has been a very successful episode. We got Troy Grady. We got a whammy. We got, our, we got everything done.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. I think that deserves a, an internet high five. So
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look at us go. Cool. Go Friends. Yes, absolutely. Uh, please uh, like, share, subscribe, tell all your people. We are very happy to have made it to episode 15, and we do have some very special things planned for you over the next few weeks. So, yeah, stay in touch. Give us a shout-out when you can. Like us on Facebook, all that stuff. I'm just Shared rambling now, John.
1: Friends And all your other Guitar Nerd people.
0: All your Guitar Nerd people. Uh, we are, as we've said on previous episodes, our uh, lifelong goal is to get sponsored by casper mattresses so we can get free mattresses
1: so if you know people at casper mattresses tell them we need mattresses yes absolutely (laughs) all right
0: stay sharp